Have you ever dreamed of being able to make more money, live a better life, and have the financial freedom that's rightfully yours? Well now is your chance. With an engaging perspective and tone, your host Ryan Dement will guide you through your journey to financial freedom one step at a time. Let's get to it. Here is your host Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement from Chasing Financial Freedom Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. Today on the podcast, we have Yagal Adato. And Yagal is helping business owners across the country implement battle-tested leadership skills into their business and life so they can make more money, have less stress, and live that epic life. Sir, welcome into the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Honored to be on. Cool. So before we, we jump into everything, let's just talk about you as a human being and what you have going on, and then we'll go down some rabbit holes. Sure. I am a husband to my wife, Sharon. Three amazing daughters as well. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I used to be a rock star. So opened up Woodstock 99, was the first band to play Woodstock 99, and was a musician all my life, and then got into business and sold my prior business. And now I love, as you said, coaching and consulting business owners, not just so that they make more money, but so that they're present with their family. That is awesome because we all struggle with that. And I know I do on a daily basis. But the other thing is when you're going after your passion, they always say it's it's not work. But if you're not present in all aspects of your life, how good is that passion if you're not there for your family and loved ones? So we've got a lot to talk about. That's really cool. Let's get right into it. You're coaching, helping businesses. So let's talk about that ideal client that you're helping. What does that individual client look like? Yeah, usually it's a small business owner. They might have a team of 10 plus people, sometimes even less. But I like to work with the owner who wants to be able to lead a team because in my belief, it's if you want to have that financial freedom as you speak about, if you want to have that time with your family to be present, you have to build an incredibly engaged team to be able to do the work that needs to be done so that you can go home at at an hour that is right for the family so you can go exercise, so that you can go on vacation. So I love working with business owners who are team-minded and want to grow, but they know they can't do it all. And we all think we can do it all. We're not supermen. So that's a problem. Is there a type of industry that you typically focus in on or is it just all small businesses? I'm a big fan of what I call customer-facing. So retail, brick-and-mortar, service-based. It's just what I know. I used to own a chain of pawn shops and I love the interaction between you know, customer and team member and what it takes to lead that. And so I'm not really into the IT or software, any of that type of things. I love working with people who actually have to work with humans coming in and out of their business. I got to ask, what got you out of the pawn shop business? It's funny. I was doing it for 17 years. We did very well. My brother was my partner. And at some point, we just, the culture wasn't working out that well. The team wasn't as happy and as engaged as we wanted them to be. And so I grew up leading in a youth movement for many years. So I asked my brother, I said, hey, bro, do you mind if I implement some of this leadership stuff that I've learned over the years into our business? His answer was, I don't care as long as you don't mess with my sales. Don't, don't let the profit go down, do whatever you want to do. And I started coaching the managers and the supervisors and just realized how much I loved doing that as opposed to the day-to-day of operating my business. And so 
about a year and a half later, walked up to my brother, said, bro, I love you. It's time for me to go. He actually said, I've been waiting for a year for you to say it to me. So we parted ways as amicably as possible. And then I started my journey down coaching and consulting. That's cool that you guys could do that and you move forward and you're going after your passion. So what can, let's just, let's dive into it as business owners. What can we do to make sure that we're present in all aspects of our lives and be able to improve our business too? So there's three things I always teach from the get-go. It's clarity, courage, and commitment. We call it waking up the leader. And so clarity, many years ago, when my wife sat me down, I was about seven months into my marriage, newlyweds, went on the honeymoon, came home, bought a house, nice car, did the whole thing. She basically sat me down in City Gall. I didn't get married to be alone. You're working tons of hours. We're not intimate with each other. We're not having conversations. I don't know what you need to do, but go figure this out. And Ryan, she was 100%. I was 40 pounds overweight. I was working 14 hours a day. I was coming home and sleeping on the couch. And we didn't really have that life that she wanted or that I wanted. And I actually grew up in, a, in an environment where the men in my life, that's how they worked. 14 hours a day, six, seven days a week. They were overweight. They weren't really present. And so I knew I had to do something about it. And the first thing was getting that clarity. What am I lying to myself about? And I realized I was lying about my health. I was lying about my business, how well I was leading it. I was lying about my marriage, that I was happy that my wife was happy. And so I had to get clear on what exactly I wanted. And I wrote those things down, had a conversation with my wife. And so she said, great. My wife is, by the, by the way, one of my best coaches. And she goes, what are you going to do to get there? And the biggest thing, it's really easy to write stuff down. It's really pretty goals, all that stuff. I just knew how to take extreme courageous action. And so I started to take courageous action. I started going to the gym. I started paying for a trainer. I've never done that. I lost 30 pounds within four months. I started working on myself. So reading books on marriage, going to therapy, how do I get my marriage into the place I actually want it and where my wife and I are both happy. And then I had to commit to the process. So if you do those three things, and it's way easier than it sounds, because most of the time, business owners, they don't actually answer the question, what do you want? I've had people on live events. I've had them on Zoom calls. They ask, write down five things that you want. And I'll get blank stares. I want to make more money. Put the money aside. What do you want? Because so many, for so long, we've chased the growing the business that we've mm -hmm. forgotten what we actually want for ourselves. It's, it's so true because when you start growing the business, you start losing focus of why you started the business and what, and what the why behind it and the passion. And I'm on that journey now is because we're in the affordable housing slash workforce housing space. We're starting a development and I'm like, okay, that's great impact. We're going to build 16 houses, put people, put families in it that are well-deserving, but what else can we do? What else can we do to change lives? And so a couple, about a year and a half ago, we decided that we we're going to do a nonprofit and the nonprofit would be for financial literacy. And I'm like, what else can we do? And that's where I'm at. I'm on the third step. I'm like, what's the third thing I can actually do? I don't know yet. I have that conversation with myself on a daily basis of what other things can we possibly do to impact others and make other people's lives better. And I know what you're talking about is being present. I struggle. I do. I truly do. And I know what that is. And I think with me trying to find that why is going to help me personally and professionally as I start going through these mo going through these steps to find it. 
And I think we all struggle with it. I'm not perfect. I get called out by my wife, by my kids. It happens because we are driven to grow a business. Mm -hmm. We're told to keep growing and keep hustling and keep doing that we forget about ourselves, our family sometimes. Yes, we're doing it for them. We're doing it for them and the legacy that we want to build. But the truth is, if I was to ask a lot of the listeners, like, what else do you want? What do you want? And I get answers like, I want more intimacy with my spouse. I want to go on vacation more. Great. So how do we get there? A lot of times we don't tell ourselves the truth. And that's the biggest issue is that we lie to ourselves so much. How many times do you ask your friends, man, how's everything going? Everything's going great. Then you're a few beers in and he's like crying, but things aren't good. My wife and this, like, what happened? Everything's great. Right? Like, where did that go? So we lie to ourselves so much. And what I've seen in my Unlock the Leader program is if you don't truly unlock what you want, what's actually happening, then you lead with baggage. And leading with baggage is misleading. You can't be a leader in your family, community, being a parent, whatever that is, if you've got baggage sitting there not being worked on. Yeah, for sure. And then it affects all aspects of your life. And one of those things that you just talked about, and I truly believe it, is if you can't be honest with yourself, how are you going to be honest with anybody else and what you're actually doing? And until you have that, and excuse my language, it's not bad. It's just, I, you have to have a coming to Jesus meeting. You really have to be honest with yourself and with God or whoever you believe in and say, okay, I'm unhappy and here's what I want to do in my life. How do I get there? And then you start peeling that layer of that onion back. But, and I got to ask this, I'm guessing not a lot of business owners or small business owner entrepreneurs have that problem. They have the problem of being less, or should I say being present is their problem. They know what to do to go after it, but I think they're just not present. Am I right? Or am I off on that? So you'd be surprised. I've been coaching. I probably to this point coached 400 businesses in the last seven years. And a lot of people think that they know what they need to do, Mm -hmm. but they've never sat down to ask the question, is this what I should do? Is this going to move the needle? Is this part of the mission statement of the company, my mission statement, my values? And so many times they're hearing information from so many people that they forget to ask the question, is that what I really want to do? Is it going to move the needle? Maybe. Is that what I really want to do? Man, we're going to go down a rabbit hole because this brings up a whole, it brings up a whole thing because it ties into a dying business means that you don't have customers. It means you're not marketing. So are you really going after your core values to be able to find those customers and bring them in? And then drive that business to your values. That's the best way I know to describe it is I was doing the wrong thing. I'm two-time failure at entrepreneurship. I say it all the time. I had two failed businesses, $100,000 in debt because I, it was all about the G word, greed. It was all about money. And until I found my passion, I couldn't do anything about it. But I was driving the wrong customers into my business. And until I, find, I found out the why, the passion for me, nothing changed. And I think we're on the same page when we're talking about that. I just think it goes a little bit deeper for me is I don't want to just have somebody come in our doors, our virtual doors, because we don't have a physical location that doesn't match our core values and what we're trying to do just because I want to check the box and get money. I rather than walk away and say, sorry, not my type, not my customer and be able to go out and get somebody else. Yeah. So let's go back to what you said. You said that a dying business is one that doesn't have customers. I'd like to go deeper. We're going to go deep down the rabbit hole. Let's go for it. The question is, why isn't there customers? And sometimes it's not just the marketing. 
sometimes it's to have to deal with the leader themselves as mm-hmm. to why are you not marketing the business? What's yeah. going on? What's stopping you? Are you fighting with your spouse? Are you unhealthy? You've got baggage up here you haven't taken care of through going through therapy or whatever that is, some self-development to be mm-hmm. able to get the customers. I've had customers that for three years, I begged brick and mortar locations to get more Google reviews. And it was like uh, hitting a brick wall. I'm like, listen, do you want to make more money? Yes. Why? And we just went, why, 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 why? Boom. All of a sudden went from, he went from 280 Google reviews to 1500. And all of a sudden he's like, y'all, I'm not even doing anything. Customers are coming to like, mazel tov. That's what I said. Congratulations. It's because you didn't deal with what's up here between your ears to be able to lead the business where it needs to go. You can push as hard as you want, but if you're not leading from within, it's not going to work. You see, for me, leadership isn't just one more cog in the wheel that you need to learn. Leadership is an amplifier, right? When you have marketing strategy, customer service, sales, and you add leadership to that top layer, it amplifies everything so much more. I went to give a speech to a company a couple of weeks ago. They do about $13 million. And I was talking with 10 of their leadership team. And the biggest issue was that there was no communication and they were coming in with bad attitudes because of that lack of communication. So one of the people in a department, we talk about something called leader contagion. Leader contagion is a term I coined, which basically means the way you show up as a leader is how contagious you are. You give that off to your team. And he sat there and he started crying. He's like, oh my God. I come in here with the worst attitude every day. And I understand now why these people who work under me aren't doing their job because it's on me. Absolutely. So you can pay a marketing company a ton of money and they're going to try to get you leads. But if you're not leading the way you should, those customers aren't going to say, yes, your team isn't going to service them. The marketing isn't going to work out. The strategies, the metrics, all that's going to fall to the wayside. So oh, let Wholeheartedly agree. I just, I start at the top and I'm working my way down and going down another rabbit hole. Let's go back to something earlier you said is we're all working ourselves to death 14 hours a day and so forth. Right now we have, I don't know if you want to call it an epidemic. I don't know what you call it. There's 12 and a half million small business owners that are baby boomers that are going to retire, shut down their businesses or sell them because they don't have any type of succession plan because Their children want nothing to do with the business because they saw how hard their parents worked all this time. And they're like, I don't want to be a ball and chain to the business. So that's one of the things that I've been starting to think about is I've been introduced to a couple of guys that are going out buying existing businesses. And you're like, you want to partner on some of these? You've got some great operational skills to help these businesses out. And then we can turn around, sell them, blah, blah, blah. But I said, it's not about that. It's about helping that business owner because some of them want to stay on just a little bit longer. Some are like, no, I'm just done and I want to be over with. Okay, we can work with that. But the ones that want to stay on, why not give them the tools? Maybe showing them the right tools to give them the work-life balance or however you want to look at it to be effective and not just be there to check a box, but to be that leader that you're, yes, be present and be that leader. Could they actually then maybe potentially convince their kids that they would, that business would be something for them. I don't know. That's something that intrigues me because it's, I don't want to be married in my business either, but I think I can help people in that sense when we take a look at these businesses, because there's so many of them out there and they're typically between a million and about $7 million in annual revenue. 
And they're about your size. They're about what you look at. They're about 10 to 15 employees. So I'll tell you a quick story. Back in the day, my first, one of my first jobs was working at my father's pawn shop. And I'll never forget it. I wore the shirt. I wore the nice pants. I thought he was going to make me the manager of the store. I'm the owner's son. Absolutely not. He made me clean the bathrooms. After cleaning the bathrooms, yeah, he said, I'm going to give you the second most important job. Threw me in the vault, right? And made me do inventory about 10,000 envelopes. One hour, two hours, and three hours passed by. And I stood up and I said, I absolutely don't want to be like you, dad. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be a slave to my business. And I walked out. And that's when I went to go be a rock star. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go get groupies and sing songs and, and record albums. And it's going to be amazing. And you're absolutely right. The reason why so many young teens today, people growing up are going to become influencers or YouTube stars is because they saw their parents who incredibly like they worked their ass off. Like they really, really yep. worked super hard because that's what they knew. I then realized that my father, that's what he knew because that's what his father taught him. And they see that they're like, that's not what I want. That's absolutely not what I want. But what I'm saying today is that you can build a team so that you as the baby boomer, you as the person who's going to be in the succession plan can run an incredible business and live a great life. I had a client of mine who we took him from the sales of $50,000 a month to $500,000 a month. But the biggest thing that we did was we built a whole, we almost fired everybody on the team, brought in all new team members, a new general manager. And now this guy, he goes to Cabo once a month, enjoys his family, goes to baseball games, when before he couldn't. He just yeah. couldn't do it. So there is a way to continue the business while building an incredible team that can run it for you. It's amazing that you get a fresh set of eyes like yourself and your team in there to help businesses out and they start thriving $50,000 a month to $500,000 a month. That is a nice, that's a nice jump. But as entrepreneurs or small business owners, we struggle with that. So what's that battle look like at first? I mean, most, I'm assuming most small business owners are reaching out to you and they're ready to go. But once you get in there and you start looking at stuff and you're digging under the hood, how much resistance are you getting during that process? So people call me and they're very afraid because they know I'm going to come in and make some changes. So there's a lot of fear of change. And one of the worst things a business owner can say is, we've always done it this way. It's the worst phrase anybody in business can say, right? So I come in and first we massage. Like we have three steps. We unlock the leader, we unlock the team, and then we unlock the business. And what we do is we come in and we say, okay, how are you doing as a leader? What's going on? What needs to change for you? We work on them first. Then we work on the team. What needs to change in the team? And then we start working on the business. A lot of people expect miracles. And I always tell people, like, I'm going to give you a swift kick in the butt. It's going to happen. I have a coach I used to wrestle back in high school. And he always used to tell me, Egal, you're going to hate me when you practice, but you're going to love me when you win. That's mm -hmm. what I tell my clients. You might hate this process, but the outcome, you're going to absolutely love it. So put your head down, keep moving forward, and let's rock and roll. If you're not ready, I'm not the coach for you. It's just not me. It, yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation we can go into because we get those in our nonprofit when people are coming in for financial literacy that have been, well, they've been left behind by the system. They don't trust anybody and they want us to fix their financial situation. It's the financial coaches and the counselors can help you, but you got to do the work. That's hard. It's the same concept. Until you're ready to move forward, it's, it doesn't happen. 
In that sense, can we share some tips, tricks? You're a business owner. You need to make change. You've got to start from the ground up, the top up, excuse me. What could we do as business owners to be better at managing our business and getting some better clarity on life? So first and foremost, my belief is that you've got to become a better leader. That's from wherever you are at the moment. And so many people think that they're leading, but they're absolutely not, right? So you've got to work on yourself first and foremost. You want to change your business, you've got to change you, not your team. There's so many business owners too, but my team and there's excuses, but the economy, but this and that. We've dealt with everything under the sun and we've made that transformation. So first and foremost, look at yourself honestly in the mirror and say, where am I lying to myself? That we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then the thing that usually doesn't happen is business owners rarely sit with their teams and say, what do we need to change? In your opinion, not in my opinion, because a lot of times business owners come in like, I watched this YouTube video. I heard this podcast. This is what we need to do. Sit with yeah. your team and say, hey, we have a problem. We need more clients. Where do we think that we are not doing a great job in this company? And you will hear some incredible feedback from your team if you allow them to speak. If you don't, check on your leadership because they're afraid to speak and you don't want yes people everywhere in your company. No, you want people that have different skill sets from you also. The piece that I like to work with, especially with what we're doing construction-wise, I've gone through, and I say this out loud, probably six or seven general contractors because they didn't align with our core values. I don't want them to have the same skill sets as I do. I want them to have core values that match us and what we're trying to do. And took us a lot of iterations to have those core values, one, published to them, but also to agree to them. But then we also check in on each other. And I have a daily conversation with our current general contractor and his team. And we talk about what we're doing, how we're, how we're working the core values. But the other thing is, how are we impacting the people that are going to live in these houses? And that's huge for us. And that's taken three years to get. And I know that's not that I'm not embarrassed, but it's what it's taken. But construction is just a whole nother beast that it's like, I, I knew nothing about it when I first started this business. So I had to learn from the ground up. And I would say I, I've made some pretty big mistakes, but also at the same time, those big mistakes led us to larger wins when it came to creating a team that people think our general contractor is part of TrueVest, my company which he's not. He has his own entity. It's its own thing, but we interact with one another like we're one. And that's huge. Yeah. And a lot of times businesses are being run by the same people for so many years that we don't just sit and say, hey, are the values still aligned? What's going on? There's a fear of letting people, there's a big fear of, can I find somebody else to do this? But the truth is, if you don't let that person go, they're just damaging the culture, they're damaging the business. And You've got to be able to lead in a way that makes the changes because the business is the baby. And if you're allowing anybody to hurt the baby, then you're being a horrible parent. You're being a horrible leader, right? So the biggest thing you ask me is like, what they can do is look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I truly leading this company? Am I leading? If not, get to work on your leadership. A lot of people first go, like, I need more marketing. I need to learn better this and better that. The other thing, Ryan, that about 90% of the companies that we work with, we realize is that they don't know their metrics. Please and please stop doing your books on your own. Go get a bookkeeper, an accountant, yep. and learn to read your numbers. It's a huge mistake. 
It is. And if you're not looking at your numbers, at least on a weekly basis, you're in trouble. At the end of the month, it's too late. When I first started, I was looking at our books daily. Now it's weekly. We have a bookkeeper. We have a CPA. We do all that. But I've got to, I got to back up just a little bit on that. So when you're looking at a business or you're looking to partner and you come in and help them, what about if the owner is truly, or the, the small business owner, entrepreneur is the issue, but they're not willing to change? How do you, how do you fight that battle? What do you do? I don't. You just say goodbye and that's it? Totally. And I'll tell you why. Because a small business owner is supposedly paying me, right? Yeah. It's as if you go to a trainer and you walk into the gym and you start correcting what the trainer is doing. It's shut yeah. your mouth, listen up and do the work. And if you're not going to be coachable, then I'm absolutely not going to waste my time being here. It feels horrible for the team. I feel horrible for the customers. But if you can't say, hey, I need help. Hey, I'm willing to listen. And what's the point of giving anybody a call to make that shift? Yeah, it's uh, that that is the right call because you just have to walk away. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But the. How do I describe it? Talk from my own my own experience and we can go from there. So one of the biggest things where I was challenged was to change because I went from corporate America. I was in finances, financial America, finance, whatever you want to call it. And I was running call centers. So it could be collections. It could be customer service underwriting. So at any point, I had anywhere between two to 5,000 people reporting to me. Yeah, it's a lot of people. But after 100, it gets very, it's very simple. You put in your people in the right places and you manage that and you go out there. And like you said, you're working with your people every day. I would make a round. I would come in 30 minutes early just so I could hit my third shift and my early shift, go out, meet everybody, say hi, and do that. But if we're not cognizant, and this is where I struggled in my first business, it didn't translate to my business. What I was doing in corporate America didn't translate there. So I, I basically lost everything. I only had six employees and I was into the money that I lost the actual focus there. So I guess my first question is the money piece is huge. But then the second piece is how do you really redirect people when it comes away from the money? Let's say they're doing quite well. Let's say they're doing a half a million dollars a year or half, half a million dollars a month. How do you redirect and say, okay, we're coming back and you as a leader need to change? And they're bought into that. I could tell you it's going to take a while because I was stubborn with it for a bit. So I don't redirect for money. Let's be honest. Human beings want money. Business owners, that's what we're driving for. And what we create in our programs are called profit-producing leaders. We're creating leaders who are creating profit in their business, in their life, and in different areas. So I always tell my clients, you want to make more money? Awesome. Then let's lead. If you don't become a better leader, if you don't make the change, you're not going to make more money. Or you're going to make more money. It's just going to take you way longer to figure this out. So you, you can listen, you can lead, and we'll do this in a smaller time frame. But I always talk about money because it's very important. I want to make sure that in, in order for me to be able to come into a company and grow it, it's not just about growing the bottom line for the company. It's about, can the team members get paid more, right? And we give back more to the community. Can we donate more money? What else can we do with the profit that we bring in? This client I told you about who went from 50 to 500,000, he mm -hmm. upped his team's pay significantly, which allowed them to buy houses and cars and go on vacations. And for him, his goal is that every single one of his team members owns their own home. Wow, that's so cool. We, 
Yeah, so we were able to talk about money, but drive money into a positive. And money's not a bad thing, right? Money's a great thing if you can lead with it, if you can do good with it, and if you can have clarity with it, you can make a lot more money and use it for good. And make, I love that. There's purpose there behind that. He wants them all to have homes. That's a beautiful thing. How does that translate into your business when you're working with another business is that purpose and that clarity? What, I, I guess my question is, how do you relate? And then how do you actually work with that business on that? Let's say you come into a business that doesn't have purpose and doesn't have clarity. How does that relate? And how do you, I want to say push it down the pipe, but you can't really, unless that owner actually has that ability to do that. Some owners don't want to. So I'll give you a great example. I have a client and they're called Pop Pops and they have a popsicle shop. Right? Okay. They sell watermelon and pistachio, an incredible store. And they came into me about the culture. So we started working on leadership and culture. And I always ask, what's the mission? What's the purpose? And there wasn't at the moment. It was just to sell paletas. And so we created a mission statement and I can't, I don't remember it exactly, but part of it was, I asked the question, what do people get when they come in, they buy a paleta and they eat it. And we came up with a moment of joy. Like we're like giving that. clients a moment of joy in this crazy world. And so everything now is based on a moment of joy. And, you know, we wrote a mission statement with the word paletas in it. Like we just really created something incredible, a value system and a vision. But now they know that, hey, it's about a moment of joy. They were malleable. They were like a piece of clay that I was allowed to work with and they were coachable. So we said, okay, great. Now that we have that, now let's grow the business. Now let's work on more culture, more leadership. They allowed it. As long as somebody allows it and is open to listening, great. If they're not my client, not the avatar I want to work with. Hasta la pasta, as I say. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> That's cool. I love your passion and I love your purpose and what you're actually doing to help small business owners. We all need it. We truly do. We get goggles and we get road blinders and we're always struggling. So can we go to the other aspect of this in the personal life of the owners? How does that play into your coaching and what do you do there? It's a big part. So we believe here that when you become a better leader, you get what's called the epic effect. And that's where you live epic and you build epic, right? So okay. for me, I'm not just going to help build your business. It's both. Just last week, we had a couple who, or two owners come in and we had a therapist. I'm not a therapist, but I was like, hey guys, let's figure this out first before we go down the, as you call it, the rabbit hole of the business side. This is not working. Something's going wrong here. So for me, it's all about having life. And where does this come from? My father, who may rest in peace, he was taught to just work 14 hours a day. So he built an amazing company, 11 mm -hmm. stores, 180 employees, millions wow. of dollars of revenue, but he wasn't present. On the other hand, I had my father-in-law, who was extremely present with his family, but he went bankrupt and they had to shut down his business because he didn't have that business side of it. So success for me, truly leading for me, is merging those two together. So when somebody comes to work and works with me, there's no way we're just going to separate and compartmentalize just work and personal. It's both. If you have an epic relationship, great. How do we work on your health? How do we work on your mindset? How do we work on different areas? If you have an incredible business, there's no such thing. There's always problems that are going on. But we always merge the two because for me, that's what leadership is. It's not just in one area. It's on, on, in all aspects of your life. I love it because 
I can think of a million things that I could do better and we just have to continue to improve. But the present is being present is big. It's I don't know how to describe that other than it is you're bringing out a bunch of stuff and I'm thinking in my head, oh, my God, I got to work on this. I got to work on that. So I got to sit down after this and start writing some stuff out. The aspect of business and being able to effectively manage and be able to be present while you're doing that. What can we do as leaders? And this will be this is another two part question. What can we do as leaders to help facilitate that one, but two, be engaged with our employees? So it actually, I call it trickle down because it truly is. Like you said earlier, if you're present and you're doing these things and you're, man, and you're working with your team and being that leader, everything changes and people's attitudes change. What are some things that we can actually do? So first is that you have to build a team as quick as possible. People think I'm going to make money and then build a team. It's the opposite. You build a team to make money. Okay. Right? So for me, it's build a team as quick as possible. What does that mean? Hey, go outsource your bookkeeping. There's bookkeepers that charge 250 bucks a month. Go outsource that. You're a small business. Go get HR off your mind. Here in California, HR is a monster. It's insanity. Get that off of your plate. You don't need that on your plate, right? So for me, it's build a team as quickly as possible so that you can delegate and have the time to go home and be present. Now, the other thing is boundaries. So many business owners, they don't build boundaries with their clients. They're filled in calls at 6 a.m., 8 p.m., at all hours of the day, checking emails every single moment, checking their Facebook. If magically you're going to open Facebook and money's going <laughs> to fall out of your iPhone, and I'm saying this because I went through that. So let me check my Instagram, let me check my Facebook, let me check my email, because if I don't answer back within 30 seconds, I'm going to lose $100,000. It's not true. It's not going to happen. You've got to build boundaries in order to be able to build a business that can grow. The other thing is build it now. From mm-hmm. now, you have to lead. Wherever you are, and you're a solopreneur, two team members, 50, now is the moment to make the change, not later, because later you're going to get way too busy, way too overwhelmed. It's just going to come crashing down. How is the economy? And I know we don't say that we're in a recession, but we've got some problems going on in the economy. How is that affecting small business owners that you're working with today? It is. So there is a recession. I'll tell you why. My family owns pawn shops. And the moment that the pawn shop loan balance grows significantly, where you have people not just getting a hundred dollar loan, but a 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, $100,000, problems are starting to occur. We started in 2007. Before the meltdown, before everything happened, my brother and I looked at each other, man, these business owners are walking in, needing 25K to make payroll. People are walking 5,000 to pay mortgage. It's getting, so that's, it's happening. The biggest thing a small business owner needs to realize is that you cannot do business the same way that you did in order to thrive during this. What does that mean? You've got to learn leadership. You've got to be able to lead at an incredible level marketing, customer service, strategy, metrics, all those things I talk about. I've got a new book coming out like the next 30 days that talk about those four key things. But you've got to be able to make the time to learn to do business differently. Overserve your client, market. For example, for the brick and mortar uh, businesses and the service businesses, your Google reviews are key. You have to go from wherever you are, 10 exit, 50 extra Google reviews. Because people want social proof. And if you don't have social proof, it doesn't work. As I say that, I can overwhelm a lot of people. 
So people need to take a deep breath. I'll take it with you. <laughs> Sit down with a piece of paper and write down, scale of one to 10, how is the leadership and the culture of my business? Scale of one to 10, how is my marketing? Scale of one to 10, how is my strategy, finance, goals, KPIs? Scale of one to 10, my customer service. Because if you're not honest with yourself in the beginning, you're not going to want to make any changes to where you're going. Very powerful. That's Those are all spot on. So, I, wow. Cool. I'm really excited that you shared all this. We're coming up to the top here. We're going to come to the end of the episode. But before we do that, how could small business owners and entrepreneurs get a hold of you? Yeah. So I'm on social at egaladato almost everywhere. You won't find another. But for your crew, if you go to unlocktheleader.com, under mm -hmm. resources, we have leadership assessments. And we also have an ebook that's called the Unlock the Leader ebook that they can take, read, and be like, whoa, I need this, I need that. So if you go to unlocktheleader.com, it's the best place to find. And another question, and I think you answered earlier, but I just want to refresh it. You'll work with pretty much any type of small business? Yeah, so I'm very well versed in the, as I said, brick and mortar retail service-based business. If you're a software company, if you're building an app, if you're trying to build something, if you're an e-store, like an e-commerce store, not really my cup of tea. I like okay. people who see other people. That's okay. really, my, my, that's what my need to go for. Okay, customer facing. So yeah, cool. Awesome, sir. Thank you for being on the show. It has been awesome to talk to you and you have shed a lot of light that now I've got to go back and sit down and write some stuff out because I've got a lot of work to do for myself. My pleasure. I want to get honored to be here. It's always a privilege to be on a podcast where people are listening and you're hosting. And so I don't take that lightly. Thank you, Thank you sir.